Hello again, Broncos country and Orange Weekly faithful. Thank you guys so much for joining us for another episode of the Orange Weekly podcast. You know what, guys? It's been such an amazing two years doing this podcast. And on behalf of Tanner, Jeff, Matt, and myself, I could say we've had such a fun time giving you guys these podcasts. And we really appreciate you guys listening in. Each and every week, we strive to give you the best possible quality product that we can, and we really appreciate that you guys continue to listen in each and every week. With that being said, please take a second to pause this podcast and go rate us whatever the max stars is that you can on whatever listening device you're on, whether it be Spotify or iTunes or or SoundCloud or whatever it is. So make sure you guys are going on there, and please rate us as many stars as that, that slider will let you vote on this episode of the Orange Weekly Podcast. It's been a crazy playoff wild card round, and it's going to be even crazier championship weekend. We're going to dive into that, and then we'll get dive into exactly what you guys are waiting for and the Vic Fangino hiring. What does that mean for the Broncos? What does Gary Kubiak coming back as an OC mean for the Broncos? And what are these other coaches doing around the league? And why is it so crazy? We bring you our best analytics. You guys just need to sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of the Orange Weekly Podcast. Orange, man. I'm rocking orange, man. Always gotta rock orange, that's the side roll. I'm rocking orange, man. Word up. I'll be rocking with the Broncos. I'm rocking orange, man. Uh-huh. Always gotta rock orange, that's the side roll. I'm rocking orange, man. You see, I'll be rocking with the Broncos. Alright, welcome back once again, Broncos Country, to another episode of the Orange Weekly Podcast. And yes, we know that the Broncos are no longer playing. However, there is a lot of news surrounding Denver, as well as the NFL playoffs are in full swing, and what a crazy week it's been. Matt and myself are here to talk about it. I hope you guys are ready. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Matt. Matt, how you What's doing up? today? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing really good. Excited to be here. Yeah. How, how did you enjoy those uh, weekend of NFL games? Oh, they're really, really good. Um, I particularly liked Indianapolis just taking apart the uh, Houston Texans. I oh, thought yeah. that was a really exciting game. Um, it's weird. I watched a video on YouTube. I forget what it is about this guy saying basically this. The, the, he filmed the video and he posted it before the last game of the season, the Colts versus the Titans. Right. And he said that if the Colts make it to the playoffs, they are the favorite to win this rule, in his opinion. And he went through explaining why just based on how like they've won eight of their last nine games or something like that right. like they've just been a great team for a really good uh, stretch of the year and after seeing them play against Houston like I'm I'm gonna believe that hype a little bit I think they're uh, they're my favorite in the AFC right now I think they're gonna beat the Chiefs um, and they're gonna be a bit of an underdog but uh, otherwise you know it's really good games um, the Bears Cody Parkey well I'm sure everybody's heard about that it's <laughs> unfortunate but it is what it is. Um, how about you? What was, what was your favorite game this weekend? Honestly, I really like the fact that I, I'm with you on the fact that the only game that was really a blowout and didn't come down almost to a last drive was that Indianapolis game. So I, I'm definitely yeah. on that Indianapolis bandwagon. Um, mm-hmm. The Chicago game made me a little mad. I was definitely on the Chicago Bears train. But obviously, we're going to talk about this here in a little, in a little bit. It, it might have worked out for the best for us because now we got our head coach. Um, That's right. Uh, but other than that, uh, the games were really good. I was I was definitely surprised at that San Diego Baltimore game. 
Uh, mm-hmm. I, I so here's a funny story too is uh, I ended up. Well, I was watching the game on the couch uh, with my wife, and obviously the game was just getting out of hand. And uh, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go take a shower real quick before I had to go. I think we were going out that night or something like that. I went to go take a shower. I'm getting in the shower. I turn on the water, and I jump in the shower. My wife runs into the the bathroom, opens up the door, and is like, you'll never believe it. They're only down by a touchdown, and they have the ball. They're driving down the field. The Baltimore is driving down the field. And I was like, what? So naked, half wet, (laughs) running out of the shower, going into my living room, standing there butt naked, watching the rest of the game. I got out just in time to watch uh, Jackson fumble the ball. But I I can't believe it. I don't even know, honestly, what happened for them to come back and and almost win that game, had a chance to drive down and win that game. Yeah, well, you know, I think it's just a testament of uh, the talent of Lamar Jackson and the whole Ravens team. Like, it's amazing how, you know, they didn't necessarily rebuild, but they're, you know, they're in the playoffs and they're very competitive. They almost beat the Chargers with a rookie quarterback um, and a very sort of unique offense, we'll say, in today's uh, football. So, I don't know. It's it's not that surprising. Um, I do think the Chargers deserve the win, though. I don't know about you. Oh, yeah. No, they they played very, very well in that game, uh, except for the very end of it. I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. So now we have the Chargers and Kansas City uh, AFC West teams playing next week or this weekend, I should say. And uh, I really don't want to root for either one of them, <laughs> honestly. But yeah, at this no, point, no, at this true. point, I don't even want. It's almost like uh, the Super Bowl a couple years ago when it was uh, the Seahawks versus the the Patriots. I don't, I don't want to watch the Patriots Chargers game because I really don't know who to root for. Yeah, it's hard. It's it's hard to. Well, I'm kind of rooting for Philip Rivers, man. He deserves a ring. Yeah. He's been playing long enough, and he's been good enough for a long time. So he, he deserves it. Tom Brady can just go home early, take the seniors' day off, you know, <laughs> just do what he's got to do. But uh, let's see some new teams in the AFC Finals. Yeah, and, th- and that's, what I, that's what I really want to see, too. So, so we can get into that a little bit, too, is um, on the NFC side, we have uh, Philadelphia playing New Orleans. Yeah. And that's going to be a very interesting game because Philadelphia almost stole that game away. Um, from the leading scorer in that game, which was Cody Parkey. Um, <clears throat> yeah, true. But uh, so, so a lot of people weren't even expecting him to be in that position in the first place. And Nick Foles somehow playing great football again. And um, But I, I don't think they can hold up to the New Orleans Saints. What do you think? Wow. I, I say we never say never. Um, I think that you know they, they only made it to the next round because of a missed kick. But at the same time, I mean... You know, it's hard to really tell where uh, where the Eagles stand, to be honest, because the Bears are really, really tough defense. And from what I saw in that game, the Eagles were able to find a lot of their weaknesses. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's going to be the same situation here against the Saints. I, I can't believe how good Nick Foles is, like, come playoff time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily think they can beat the Saints. I still think the Saints are going to win the Super Bowl. But, uh, I mean, hey. I've I've been wrong many a time in my life. Yeah, so it's it's gonna be tough. Well, I think that's also a testament to Doug Peterson too. I think he's oh definitely just just watching the way that he goes into games and obviously not seeing inside of his locker room or inside of his coaching and his coaching offices, but just you can tell that he does all the research that you need to do as a head coach. Um, mm-hmm. His coordinators and his his special guys his. Um, uh, position guys are all doing exactly what they need to do. Going back to last year's Super Bowl, I mean, he went in there and destroyed that New England defense. Like, uh, you know, Nick Foles obviously just ate it up. So he's obviously doing something right. And he went in and he obviously figured out the hole in uh, in Chicago's defense. And, and let's give a little bit of props to Chicago's defense all the way up until the fourth quarter. They were holding them to absolutely everything. They were They couldn't get anything going. So... Obviously, all you had to do was win, and that's what he got. So he's going into uh, New Orleans 
and uh, that's going to be that's going to be another tough fight and uh, less cold probably though. Much less cold. Indoors will be nice for sure. It's going to be a completely different game, um, a completely different game uh, game plan as well. So it's going to be really interesting to see how it turns out. Um, they've played each other this year too, but the Saints blew them out like forty eight to seven. Right. Um, you know, I know we say all the time it's really hard to beat the same team twice, but mm-hmm. you know, in this situation, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see more of a you know twenty one seventeen type of game. Yeah. But I, I just I don't see how the Eagles can really beat the Saints. I don't. I don't know how they can keep up the whole game. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough, and and only because of the explosiveness of that Saints offense. Yeah, Drew, exactly, and the variety of players. And, and yeah, just Drew Brees is playing an amazing season this year too. And uh, you know, you hate to see it go down, but um, the other thing too yeah. is is Drew Brees. He's been here before, and I, I mean, I'm not saying Philly hasn't. Right, they won the Super Bowl last year, so so not saying that they haven't. But but Drew Brees is a guy that's definitely cool, calm, and collected under pressure. So. I guess Definitely. I guess we'll see how that one goes, and then and then you have the other game in the NFC, which is um, Cowboys and Rams. Cowboys and Rams, and I think that's honestly going forward. I think that's the game I'm looking forward to the most. Um, other than the Kansas City game, I think that's going to Kansas City Indy is going to be a huge game for me to watch. But I oh, think definitely. that that Rams and Cowboys game is going to be so interesting. Why? Why more than the other ones? Uh, I, honestly, so the Cowboys has surprised me. First of all. Um, I've never really been a Cowboys fan and I was watching the Cowboys defense play and I've never thought of the Cowboys defense of being like stellar, but they were just so good. Those in those linebackers, those young linebackers are just so good. The problem though, is that the weakness in the defense of the Cowboys is the strength of the offense of the the Rams in the secondary. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, man, I like, I completely agree with you in the sense that the Cowboys defense has been uh, lights out like Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith are going to yes. make a great pair for years to come. Um, it's very surprising and it's really cool to watch the Cowboys uh, play such good defense and considering the last couple of years, it's been bad. And with Zeke and Amari uh, Cooper, like it, they're, they're a legitimate team. I think they're, you know, the, the Colts of the NFC, but just a little bit different. Yeah. Um, I think they might uh, overtake the Rams. The Rams haven't been playing really well the last couple weeks ever since they um – what was the game they, they had lost there uh, against Chicago? Ever since they right. lost to Chicago like, weeks ago, they haven't really been the same. You know, Todd Gurley's been out with an injury. He's back now, I'm assuming. But, you know, it's just, I don't know. I would not be surprised to see the Cowboys come to L.A. and take the win on the road. Yeah. I, I, I'm saying it now. I think it'll be a, a nice upset. And, and you know how they're going to do it is they're going to shut down Todd Gurley. Because if you look at yeah. all those losses... All the losses that the Rams have this year, Todd Gurley had under 100 yards rushing. And I know exactly. that everybody's afraid of that that air ball, right? I mean, Jared Goff is an amazing quarterback, and he can find the, the holes in the defense. But if they can't get the run game going, they're stagnant. Their offense is very yeah. slow and stagnant. And honestly, the Cowboys have the one of the best rush defenses in the league. It, definitely, I'd say the best rush defense still in the playoffs. So... That's a good point. I agree with you. I think, you know, right now, out of all the defenses, the Cowboys have probably the best one, followed with the Eagles and the Chargers. Yeah. Um, but the Cowboys defense right now is is the top unit. You're right. I never thought of that. So that's really true. So that's going to be that's going to be that's why I think that's going to be my favorite game uh, going into this, because that's and honestly, the, the whoever wins that game is going to set the tone for the rest of the playoffs, especially in the yeah. NFC and going into the Super Bowl, because now it's no longer this huge. Everybody loves seeing the high scoring offenses. Everybody wants to see the Rams. Uh, play the uh, play the Saints again in that huge crazy game, or the Rams play the Kansas City Chiefs again. How that ended up being a, an unreal game, but mm-hmm. I, I, I'm kind of excited to see these defenses step up, and let's see if defenses actually do win championships in 2019. 
Oh yeah, that that'd be really cool to watch because um, I think we're gonna see really like the the outcome of the uh, Colts and Chiefs game um, is gonna be based on which defense plays better or or allows. I mean, this of course goes without saying, but it allows the least amount of points because I think this <laughs> might be a shootout. You know what I mean? Like it's gonna be a grind to see who can just not let as many points happen. Yeah. Um, so I I don't know what's gonna happen, but I think that a lot of defenses are gonna have to step up. I think the Chargers defense is gonna is gonna be very very competitive against Tom Brady. Yes. Um, the only issue I think is going to be the weather. How can uh, you know the LA team handle like uh, northeastern cold? Um, that might limit them, but I think they're still uh, they're still on par to win. But you're right, defense is going to be a big big piece here. Yeah, and so it's going to be very interesting. So let's go into. Um, I know I know we're doing this a little bit backwards, and we're kind of teasing you guys with this. Uh, we're going to get into our coaching talk here in a second, and let you guys know all of ours. Uh, but before we do that, let's get into a little bit of predictions. How do you how do you see the playoffs going into uh, championship weekend? I'm saying it's Colts and Chargers, two road teams, and then on the NFC side, it's Saints and Cowboys. So I, I see the Cowboys going to New Orleans for the NFC Championship game. Okay, um, and then I see the Colts going to uh, Los Angeles. For the AFC Championship game, so that's those are my predictions. How about you? Okay, so I'm I'm actually not going to pick the Cowboys. Uh, sorry for my in laws who listen to our podcast. Uh, they uh, <laughs> the Cowboys I, fans. Yeah, they are they're huge Cowboys yeah. fans. So yeah, nobody's perfect. It's okay, <laughs> right? Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm not going to pick the Cowboys, and this is why. Like I said, we have that that stellar defense, but I think that. Um, uh, what we've seen from the coaching staff in Dallas in past is that they they haven't been able to to co- stay consistent in their uh, success. And uh, another thing that I, I really don't like about that is that the offense of the Dallas Cowboys are hot or cold. Uh, it's not dependent on how Ezekiel Elliott is running. It's more dependent on how Dak Prescott is throwing. Because if he's not if he's not hitting his receivers, then they have to rely on the ground game, and it's much easier to stop it if you know that they're going to run a run, you know, t- three times out of four. So, I think that's what, I think that's going to be the the game changer, and I think the offense of the Rams are going to be able to put up the points to okay. to be able to win it. That's why I'm so interested in this game. I mean, I'm kind of back and forth on this, but it's going to be really good, depending on. And honestly, it's all going to come down to Dak Prescott's quarterback play. Yeah, it really yeah, will. That's, yeah, that's gonna be it. So I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Rams. Uh, I'm also I'm actually gonna flip it. So um, I'm gonna take Philly to beat the Ooh, Saints. Big upset. Um, I I think they have a lot of momentum going forward. And if if I've learned anything in the past five years of of watching playoffs, obviously my whole life I watched playoffs, but I've been really focused last five years. Yeah. Um, is that momentum can be everything? Think about True. it. You're, you're talking to Philly last year, the year before that. Uh, sorry, two years before that was the we beat the Panthers. They all they had was a bunch of momentum going into there. The Seattle Seahawks had a lot of momentum. It's all about momentum in the playoffs. Right now, they have a lot of it. So I'm going to say on the NFC side, it's going to be Philly and the uh, the Rams. Yeah. And on the AFC side, I, I agree with you. I think Indy is going to win that. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna choose San Diego too. So I'm I'm on the same page, opposite page as you on the you, NFC side. You said San same Diego. Page with you. Oh, uh, come on, it's man. still it's been years, and it, you still. Uh, no, it's, that's okay. I, can't, hey. <laughs> I I hear it all the time. Like I heard it during a Los Angeles Chargers game. Like the commentators call it San Diego. You know, it's still yeah. like nobody can accept they're in LA. It's okay. You're nobody you're pardoned. Is. 
Nobody. Well, it's funny because everybody says LA and you immediately think Rams. Exactly. Exactly. That's just a culture. That's a culture thing. And I know we've talked about it on podcasts before and the fact that they went there and they don't have the culture and nobody. I mean, like you said, it's been four years. We're still calling them San Diego, like or three years, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. So we're gonna have Thank two you. LA teams in the uh, in the in championship weekend, which I think is um, makes me sick to my stomach, but I'll take it, and uh, it'll make for good football at least. So oh, definitely. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll go with that. Imagine we got the Rams and the Chargers in the Super Bowl. Oh uh, man! Like really, <laughs> really another win for LA. Yeah. So and so I, I touch on this real quick, a little bit off topic, but not really with with the Chargers. I don't want the Chargers to win. And yeah, everybody thinks you know, oh, Philip Rivers deserves a ring. He's a good quarterback. Like I'm, I'm on board for all that, right? I'm, I'm okay. I'll take Philip Rivers winning ring. What I can't give though is that the Chargers organization, the the satisfaction in knowing that they went to L.A., they left a city high and dry, yeah. and they they got successful and they got their ring after they moved to L.A. Because you know it's not the fans. Oh, it's not course. the fans that are. I mean, they they barely sold out, and half the time. And I mean, I went to the Bronco game. It was half Bronco fans. Yeah, like, yeah. it's not the fans that are that are following them. I just don't want to give them the satisfaction that that moving out of L.A. and and everything that they did to the city of San Diego and all the drama was the right move. Yeah, absolutely. It's just going to give like power to the owners and and all that. Uh, the money group. Yeah. My area. Yeah. And then that, and all that's going to do. Yeah, you're right. All the owners are going to be like, Oh, well yeah, the money, the money grubbing owners are going to start trying to move to places. Next thing you know, we're going to have eight teams in LA and seven in New York and uh, <laughs> everything. It's going it's to be two cities with uh, 16 NFL teams in it each. <laughs> I'd like to see that actually. It'd oh be yeah. Interesting. That'd be a, it'd be like uh, soccer in Europe, man. That's like in London. There's, I don't know, dozens of teams, I think. Right in different pro leagues, it's insane. You you just can't turn a corner without seeing a soccer field. A yeah, pitch. it's almost like uh, like communities. Like oh, each yeah. community has their own pro soccer team. Absolutely. But all right. So with all that being said, we're gonna go ahead and talk about what you guys have been waiting for. What we've been really excited to talk about is the coaching staff of the Denver Broncos has been mostly set. It looks it looks about ninety nine percent set in uh, the hiring of uh, Nick Fangio and taking on Gary Kubiak as the offensive coordinator, taking him out of the front office and putting him back on the field as the offensive coordinator. First of all, I want to I mention that a lot of the, the comments around this I've been seeing are, are hot and cold, and I think one of my favorite comments is basically like, no, everybody's going to have a different opinion at the end of the next year. And the end of the year after that, depending on the success of how the team goes, obviously it's going to be a little bit different. But let's talk X's and O's because that's what we're good at. Matt, how do you like the Fangio hire? Uh, I think it's nice to have um, uh, to keep a defensive-minded coach in uh, in Denver. I think it's 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 a right pick out of all the candidates this year. Um, however, see, I, I I heard something interesting uh, yesterday. I had a, a bit of a like meet and greet with. This uh, the the game game day presenter for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and um, okay. we're chatting. And this guy's been with the Maple Leafs for you know the the most popular hockey team in the NHL. I'd say um, they're doing really well too this year. They're a top team. And anyway, so he was saying that uh, you know he's been working there twenty years, and and he's known a lot of people. And you know the old GM was this old guy, and um, and the new GM he's like mid thirties. He's a really young guy, and he came through my my university program with Brock and. Um, and he, this guy was saying that 
it's good to have a young person leading the the group because they have energy, they have vision, right? And a lot of the older people that are sometimes put in these leadership positions don't necessarily bring that that extra energy, that sort of Sean, a Sean McVay sort of light, you know what I mean? Right. That sparkle, that charisma. So I really like the Fangio pick. I think it's it's going to be good for the team to have an old school, you know, very experienced coach in there, um, especially when you mix it with Gary Kubiak. These are guys that have really seen it everything. So I think it's really good to bring that sort of culture back to Denver. However, it just, to me, it still kind of seems as though John Elway is just trying to just put together a team that doesn't have to stay together for a long time but just has to win now you know he's just doing these really short bets to win the Super Bowl as quickly as possible it's it's worked I mean he's been to two since he's been the, the president uh, of the Broncos so you know his, his strategy is working sometimes but I just feel that maybe these these old guys in leadership positions may not go as uh, as far as we hope however with that being said I think it's a good culture change for sure and Fangio's going to bring the Denver de- defense right back to where it should be. Um, and then Kubiak has known a lot of success with his uh, play-action uh, scheme. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's a good move overall. I think the Broncos got uh, – I think they got really, you know, the, the best coaches available for them. Um, but long-term, it still worries me. You know, I don't see Fangio being the next Belichick. You know what I mean? Like, he, yeah. he's, he's, he's seasoned in the league already, so – We'll, we'll see what happens long term. But for right now, the next couple of years, I think the Broncos are going to be more competitive than they have been for sure. Yeah. And, and the one thing about the Fangio hire, too, that uh, don't get me wrong, I, I think that uh, the difference between Fangio and Vance Joseph, uh, you know, all things aside, personal opinions of everybody aside, um, the biggest difference is that Fangio is respected by players and other coaches, mm-hmm. where Vance Joseph was respected by players. He just wasn't respected in the league from other coaches as much as we would want. And I think that's what we're getting with a seasoned guy. And, um, you know, you, you look at Twitter now, and I think Khalil Mack said uh, the Denver Broncos got a steal. Uh, oh, yeah. A, Alan Robinson, a, too. He just po- he just posted a little broken heart. Like, I, I think Fangio is going to be somebody who's going to turn things around in, in Denver for sure. Because you're right. I yeah. think he's, he's respected everywhere. You know, he's had success. He's established himself as a great football mind. And, and that expertise sort of... It precedes him. You know what I mean? Like right. he doesn't need to establish himself as Vance Joseph should have. It's Fangio. Right. Everybody knows him. Same with Kubiak. He's a Super Bowl winning head coach. You know, yeah. he did it with this team. So he's going to have that, that experience that precedes him. That's really going to set the tone in this organization. So you're right. It's, it's a really good move in that sense. Yeah. And I think, and, and on that point too, and you know, we'll go back to, uh, to Gary Kubiak here in a second. I, so we talked about Fangio as a hire as a head coach, but now let's talk about Fangio and the fact that he's going to be the defensive coordinator as well mm-hmm. and what he can do with this Denver defense. I know we talked about it last episode about how he runs the exact same 3-4 defense that we run with uh, three down linemen, um, and then he runs kind of like an offset 4-3 sometimes. Well, he'll 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 put a uh, an outside linebacker like Chubb or, or Miller on the line, and uh, the other one will be a stand-up rusher. And um, I think that's it's perfect. The other thing that really puts to rest is the whole trading Von Miller concept because now we brought in a guy that's already knows the system and he runs his system off of this and his play calling is so much more creative than anything Joe Woods did in the past two years. That Obviously, I'm getting a little far into it, but I think that, uh, that as a defensive coordinator, looking back at what he's done, going back to 2011 in San Francisco, He was um, top 10 pretty much almost every year until the first year that he was hired in Chicago. First two years in Chicago, he was about top 20. Um, 
defenses. And then his last two years in Chicago, obviously this year they had the best defense in the league. Everybody kind of knew that. Um, you know, the number one in yards uh, yards per game, uh, number seven in passing yards per game, the number three defense overall uh, in, in yards per game, and number one in points per game, number one in takeaways. Like, and that's just last year. But you go back even further, this isn't just a one-year, one-and-done, like he's, he's just doing it. Like San Francisco, he did it three years in a row, four years in a row before he went to Chicago. And, um, yeah, I think as a defensive coordinator even, it just makes me really excited to see that we still have the talent on defense and he can make sure that it happens with the play calls that aren't the same old stale play calling we've seen for the past two years. Oh, absolutely. And I think a lot of it's going to uh, – sorry. You know, I think uh, not a lot of it, but a lot of the team is going to benefit from uh, the fact that he's so experienced and he's seen so much of the NFL um, that right. – you know they're going to be more prepared. The, the players are going to go out on the field. They're going to know what they're doing a lot quicker than they might have with Joe Woods and Vance Joseph. The whole cultures of preparation and practice is going to change too, and they're just going to be you know uh, established as a good defense right off the bat, which is going to bring a lot of confidence to this unit, uh, and and a lot of expectations too, which I think these NFL teams do thrive under. So. This is going to be a great trend, even though it's the same system, which is really good too to keep the continuity. It's going to be fresh, and it's going to be a new energy, and it's going to be a lockdown defense, like we saw in Chicago this year, and like we saw with the 49ers in the time of Jim Harbaugh and all that stuff. Like they went to the Super Bowl, they were still a top unit. We got Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman in there. Like these were good defenses, and now he's got the Broncos with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. Like yeah, this is going to be a great unit. I think there's going to be a bit of a rebuild and, and injection of youth on the defense too. Uh, but for now, it, it doesn't matter, and I think it's going to be a great unit. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, too, when we talk about – so we talked – obviously, he has the exact same uh, system that we have. So as far as personnel-wise, he doesn't have to make a lot of changes, but there's always that chance that changes are made, and I'm interested to see what changes are made now that now that he's in there. And that's why – that's why, and we'll get to the, to the rest of the coaching ads here in a little bit, but uh, that's why all these teams are adding their coaches now so that they can start preparing for the draft uh, with their head coaches and find out what their head coaches are going to want, uh, as well as their coordinators and, and, and their uh, the players. So now let's switch to the other side. A lot of people have been giving him credit for the great offensive and uh, defensive draft that we had this year in Gary Kubiak. I want to mention first, not just as an offensive coordinator, I'm just happy that Gary Kubiak is staying Broncos yeah. because – the difference between having Gary Kubiak in the front office and having Gary Kubiak not in the front office uh, in the last two years draft classes has been uh, astounding. So having him out there, having him still be a, a supporter and having him help out, especially on the offensive side, is going to be amazing. And it's kind of funny because, you know, a lot of times you get these offensive coordinators and they come in, they're like, oh, well, they didn't draft these guys. They're going to have to build them. It's like, no, he he did draft these guys. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. the one. He was in that room. He was in the war room when they drafted these guys. So he's got a team that he already knows. He knows what their talent level is. He knows where they can go. And I think he can be successful. I'm worried, though, Matt. I'm a little worried. Why is that? I'm worried that we're going to see the 2000, 2016 offense that we saw um, and the two, even the 2015 offense, which is not exactly stellar, and and it it, it, it it's the old guy mentality, right? Oh yeah. Uh, but we, we talked about it. We talked about it last time. We wanted we wanted a young guy to come in. We wanted a young guy with new fresh legs as an offensive coordinator, and we're not getting that. Yeah, but I mean, look, uh, we also said that a young guy coming in with uh, Case Keenum at QB isn't necessarily the best mix. 
If you're going to bring a new guy, you need a a young mind that can work with him, right? Case Keenum's established himself as what kind of quarterback he is. He was forever going to be the way he plays now, which is fine. It's good enough to be an NFL starter. And I think he mixes really well with Gary Kubiak's system, which, you know, it tends to to go well with these older QBs like he did with Peyton Manning. It's play-action-based, and Denver's got two really good running backs, and Kubiak knows how to use running backs really well. I think the only other coach is probably Norv Turner that's better with running backs than, than Kubiak. So... I think that, you know, it, yeah, we wanted somebody new and dynamic who's going to be a game changer, but I don't think the the offense is necessarily prepared for that right now. I think the way they're set up for, especially this year, is to go in and be competitive with a nice and, you know, easy and established offensive mindset and scheme that, you know, has been proven to work. They, they won a Super Bowl with this offense, you know, and arguably with a much worse quarterback at Peyton Manning's last year, like he was, you know, yeah. he was falling apart. Like every throw, you could just like see another body part <laughs> fall off. And, uh, you know, and they won the Super Bowl. So it'll be exciting to see what they do with Case Keenum, who, like, as shown two years ago with the Vikings, he's got a lot of potential. He just needs to right. to, to be coached the right way with the right mindset. And, um, and yeah, I think this is just a sign that, you know, they want to win right now. The, the Elway thinks he's got the right roster and he just wants to bring a couple coaches to come out and, and put together, you know, maybe three really good years and try to win a Super Bowl. Um, and, you know, let's consider the fact that there was no other really good coaching uh, mind out there ready for a head coaching job, a young guy other than maybe Matt LaFleur. Who you know? Right. We'll see what happens with Rogers. I, I'm I'm still off on that one. I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is going to be as great as um, everybody thinks he is. Um, it's really hard for college coaches to come up and and find success. I mean, who's the last guy to do it? Jim Harbaugh, maybe. Yeah. You know, he went to Super Bowls great, but he went back to college. Chip Kelly. You Hold know, on, let's, let's let's talk about. I want to talk yeah. about Cliff in this this hire. I think I think it's a terrible choice. He got yeah. fired from Texas Tech. He yeah. was under 500 at Texas Tech. Like, what were they thinking? But but it's because he, he's um, – this man, I would have loved to see Cliff King, Kingsbury come in as an offensive coordinator for a team. I think that would have been a really good way. I think him going in as the, the head coach right away is – it's a really big gamble. And I think the Cardinals are – I don't know what they're doing. I think they just want to put a good mind around Josh Rosen. But I just – you know, the, the Falcons did this like, you know, in the mid-2000s when uh, Michael Vick was there. They bought in Bobby Petrino from uh, from college to, to try and mold him into a better passer and to get the most out of him. And, it, you know, yes, you know, Michael Vick ended up going to prison that offseason. But still, it's like <laughs> this guy just went right back to college before the season was over. Yeah. You know, the, the, moving up from the college ranks from head coach to head coach is not easy. And I just... You know, this guy has coached Patrick Mahomes, Baker Mayfield, Johnny Manziel, Davis Webb, and Case Keenum. He's had a lot of success at Texas Tech. Um, I don't know, you know, really why he went uh, so poorly, you know, uh, towards the end there. But he's, he's coached a lot of really good players, and he's got a really good offensive mind. That's why I would have loved to see him as an offensive coordinator. You know, somebody right. to come in and just do his job really well, establish himself, and then go to head coach. But right then and there, yeah, I think the Cardinals are, are really gambling hard. And I don't know how these grown men are going to follow this young guy who doesn't know anything Cardinals. really, you know. Well, at, at, yeah. at this point, the Cardinals are, are becoming my third least favorite front office in the league uh, next to San Diego and uh, well the Browns have changed the Browns, the Browns have evolved so yeah. I'm going to say they're second I'm going to say yeah. they're second now at, like you hire you, you fire Steve Wilkes 
right? Mm-hmm. You 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 bring in Steve Wilkes. He doesn't have a very good season. You fire him after one year. Okay, I get it. But you bring up some college head coach who's under 500 as a head coach in college, and and you're giving him the reins to the team. I just don't understand where. I mean, like you said, it's big boomer bust, and I, I'm pretty sure he's going to be calling the plays for the team. Oh, but it's, it's a completely different monster, like you said. Like college and professionals are two completely different Hugely. types of players. Absolutely. And the big difference is the millions of dollars that the players make in the NFL. Right. You're not coaching right. a bunch of kids coming from high school that you get to hand pick. You know what I mean? Right. In, in the pros, that you have contracts, you've got money issues, you've got big personalities too. You know, and, and these and, guys are making more money than you are. Oh, absolutely. And they're not afraid to show it either. They're not afraid to right. rebel against the coach. For them, it's a job. It's not a, an opportunity for a future per, you know, potential success, right? As you do in college. Like, you know, it's... It's just a weird situation to be in. I don't know. You know, I think Josh Rosen will benefit from him, from him, but you know, I don't know how it's all going to work out. Um, interestingly enough, though, um, Kingsbury was the backup to Tom Brady for I forget which one, but one of the Super Bowls that they won in the early two thousands. So he's a Super Bowl winning NFL player. Um, oh, come on, you know, for the Patriots. <laughs> the same hey, way Brock Osweiler is a Super hey, Bowl exactly. Quarterback. He's still, you know, you can't take that away from him, man. Backup quarterbacks are still important. Uh, look at Nick Foles. You know, look yeah, at Doug well, Peterson. I, he won it. He actually won it. Don't give yeah, me that. Yeah, yeah, but still, man, he came through. But, okay, Doug yeah. Peterson, you know, and uh, Frank Reich, you know, these guys have found a lot of success as backups. And it's, look, they're coaches. Right. They're all good. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying that he has some NFL experience, so I'm sure that he could relate to a certain level. Uh, I just, I don't know. I think I think the cards should have sticked with, uh, sorry, should have stuck with uh, Steve Wilkes for at least another year. Um, yeah. They had a terrible roster, too, so it's it's hard to say, but... Yeah, and part of me wants to say that a lot of the the Cliff Kings, uh, the the Kingsbury, right? Yeah, um, a lot of his the his hiring came from not so much that they were his first choice, but I think there was a little bit of a blackball from a lot of other head coaches after the firing of Steve Wilkes after one year. Definitely, there's yeah. a level. Of, I mean, uh, Mike McCarthy came out and basically told him no, like I'm I'm not yeah. going to that dumpster fire. Yeah, in, in a few words or less, but. Um, yeah, I think there's a little bit of that whole like, whoa, like if that's how you treat coaches, we talked about this last episode too. If that's how you're treating coaches, I don't want any part of this. Exactly. I don't want this. Exactly. And you know what, man? Who knows what Kingsbury did either? We don't know what happens behind closed doors here, but right. you know, it, it's it's an interesting move. We don't really know why it happened. I guess maybe maybe the Cardinals really do think he's their man, and he they just had to dump Wilkes because they wanted this guy. You know what I mean? They didn't know he'd be available. Sometimes you you kind of have to do that, but you know, it might all work out. I just I don't remember the really the last college head coach to come to an NFL head coach and have a long term success, you know. Yeah. So it's hard to see what's going to happen. Um, but you know, enough of the Cardinals. Uh, yeah. So let's move on. So uh, we're looking. Let's go. Uh, let's start AFC. So Browns obviously fire Hugh Jackson, and uh, they're expected to hire Freddie Kitchens, which yeah. is, was their offensive coordinator, but still keep on uh, Greg Williams as a defensive co- coordinator, which I kind of like. I thought they let go. Uh, I thought they, they fired Greg Williams. Oh, did they fire Greg Williams? I think so. I think they let him go. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see that. That's also, yeah. that's that's terrible. I don't like that anymore. Why would you get rid of the guy? I you know, <laughs> I don't know. I think they made a really good pairing. Maybe Greg Williams said, if you're, gonna t- you're not going to take me as head coach, you clearly don't want me. Just let me go. Yeah. You know, that could be a thing too, but... Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's a weird. Uh, I think it's a bit of a weird hire um, right away. Freddie Kitchens was a running back coach who was an OC for half a year, and now he's the head coach. You know, that's a really really quick um, progression. 
So, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm really not sure why they picked him. But, hey, I mean, so far the Browns have been making a lot of right decisions. So this could be a really great decision. Um, Joe Thomas on the Tomahawk Show, he said that, you know, that he expects Freddie Kitchens to be the coach there for the next 10 years. So for all we know, it's a really good move. Um, but, yeah, Cleveland did not retain the services of Greg Williams. Yeah, uh, I'm seeing that now. Uh, I, by the way, we're going back to this whole Twitter thing. I'm getting all my news from Twitter. Uh, yep, yep, yeah, yeah. I'm saying that now. Uh, defense coordinator Greg Williams has been relieved of his duty and was not in the staff meeting this morning. Uh, I, I wonder what that separation was. I, I think you're right. I think it was like, you know, you had me as an interim head coach. I did pretty well, and obviously Kitchens was a huge part of that. But, yeah, I mean, if you're not going to keep me, you got to let me go. So I, I'm sure that was a mutual thing. I don't think there was any hard feelings there, but – Still, uh, I, I like the idea of Freddie Kitchens in. What he's done with Baker Mayfield in that offense uh, has been tenfold different than anything the Browns have seen in the last decade. So, I'm yeah. pretty excited for that one. It's 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 gonna be one to see, man. I, th- I think there's a lot of good moves here. I think Bruce Arians of Tampa Bay Buccaneers is. Uh, I think it's a nice change from Dirk Coder. Cater, yeah. Dirk Cater, I think his name is. Um, but you know, again, this is an older mindset. I think he's going to bring a lot of discipline and uh, and energy to uh, to the Bucks. Um, they've got a good team that's really been underutilized by the last uh, regime. So it'll be nice to see there too. And I think the most in- interesting hire for me has to be Matt Lafleur, the Green Bay Packers. Lafleur was like he was a QB coach uh, for RG three, then he was a QB coach for Matt Ryan, and then he went on to be the OC for uh, for Sean McVay. Right. In Los Angeles. And then he got hired as the OC for the Tennessee Titans last year. And the Titans offense was really mediocre all year. And then he gets hired to be the head coach for the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers, which is an interesting match, a mix, considering that Matt LaFleur is only four years older than Rodgers. So, <laughs> and Rodgers is known to have a very outspoken mind and a big personality, which I respect enormously. Uh, it's, so it'll be a very interesting mix. I would love nothing more than to see these two guys gel and just be on the same page and take the NFL apart to let Rodgers have a last couple good years here. Um, but I think it's it's smart for them to go to a young coach because the Green Bay Packers are another organization that sticks with their guys for a long time. Uh, yeah, right. you know, yes, McCarthy was fired mid uh, mid season this year, but nonetheless, you know, they still stuck with him for years. And before that was Mike Holmgren for years. So. It's kind of like the Steelers in that sense. They keep their coaches. So I think Matt LaFleur is he's, – he's meant to be there for the next 10, 15 years, I think. Yeah, and so how do you feel about the, the fact that, you know, he's uh, coming from the Atlanta tree and was uh, part of that Super Bowl – um, coaching tree when he was a quarterback coach for Matt Ryan. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I've got nothing but respect for the guy. I was hoping he'd become the OC after uh, Kyle Shanahan left. Yeah. Um, you know, but I was happy for him to go to uh, to L.A. and Sean McVay. I think he, he made the right move. Um, but I think he's a really, really good football mind. Um, I think he's been doing the right things. I think it's it's easy to judge him on the fact that the Titans offense didn't do so well this year. But when you look at it, like Mariota was in and out of play all year. You know, their running game only got going midseason when Derrick Henry had that huge four-touchdown game. You know, they're very inconsistent, and I don't necessarily think it comes from Matt LaFleur. I think it just comes from an average roster of the Titans offense. Um, right. You know, like, other than Derrick Henry and, like, uh, Conklin, their right tackle has been hurt all year, too. That was a huge loss. T- Taylor Lewan is... Man, he's getting meaner and meaner. So I don't know how long he's gonna he's gonna stay as an effective lineman. Um, he's he's one of these guys to get in people's faces. So you know, that yep. never really lasts a long time. So you know, I think the offense as a whole was really lacking in talent. Like um, the the tight end Delaney was hurt early this year. 
Right. So I, I think Matt LaFleur was just in a bad year there, and I think the Packers do recognize that. Um, they don't seem to be an organization overlook things like that. So I think it's a it's a right move and it's exciting. Um, and I, man, I just really hope him and uh, Pat and uh, Aaron Rodgers gel because that could yeah. be uh, real nasty. Yeah, it'll definitely make for interesting football. And especially you're right. See, so he's what you said. You said four years older. Yeah. He's only four years old than his quarterback, so that's that's going to be interesting to watch. And uh, you know, the other huge uh, surprise for me was uh, Todd Bowles got getting fired yeah. from the Jets, and now he's going to join Tampa Bay as a defensive coordinator in Tampa Bay. Uh, I thought that was a that was a kind of an interesting move, um, especially with so many other head coaching availabilities up in the air. Uh, to just because I, I apparently too he was flirting with the fact that. Uh, he might be going to the Bears. He might be taking over Fangio's spot now that Fangio's with us. But apparently he decided to stay with the Buccaneers uh, with Bruce Arians. He went to go with Bruce Arians and the Buccaneers. Um, That's the right move. Yeah. How, how do you see that playing out? Uh, well, I think it's good that he didn't go to the Bears because Fangio's got some big shoes to fill. You know, yeah. if, you're, if you're Todd Bowles, I'd rather go to a team that didn't do well last year and make them better than go to the best team and make them worse. Uh, so you know he's smart. No way out from number one. Oh, yeah, and he tasted with the Jets too. You know he's had one good year out of four of the Jets. He's probably screw this head coaching job. I don't want it. It's too dramatic. Um, so I think it's a good move for the for the Bucks to get another experienced uh, defensive mind. And they're the last DC. Mike Smith was uh, really outdated. Um, and uh, the only thing though is uh, Todd Bowles comes with a thirty four um, sort of scheme. In his history, right. so you know, from the time with the Cardinals to the Jets to uh, to now the Bucks, who run a predominantly a four three line, and they're built for that too with their with their lineman uh, roster. So it's going to be interesting to see if they do transition, they they change their scheme up. Um, but you know, this is a division I pay a lot of attention to, and I'm not really worried. I don't think that Bruce Arians and uh, Todd Bowles together are going to be uh, changing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers all that much. You know, I right. think they're still going to be the same old Bucks. Jameis Winston's going to be as inconsistent as he's always been. And, you know, that'll be it. Right. So the other one that we haven't really talked about, too, is um, uh, I guess the, the three – hold on. I guess there's only two teams left that don't have head coaches, right? That's, that's true, yeah. That's uh, Miami, who they've kind of been kind of quiet, to be honest, with their whole – um, their whole search. I know that Fangio was a f- originally supposed to go interview with Miami, um, but now they're talking probably Rex Ryan uh, has been <laughs> out out of uh, coaching for a little bit. Um, and then the other one that's that's interesting to watch too is the Bengals. The Bengals uh, obviously interviewed our former head coach Vance Joseph as well as Hugh Jackson. And another thing that was surprising to me in in the Bengals is it as opposed to everybody else saying that all these other coaches got fired, they said that Marvin Lewis is stepping down. Yeah. Uh, was that a political move or Absolutely. was that a, is he just done? <laughs> Absolutely political. But I think, you know, the fact that he's been there for so long, that's a respect move. You know what I mean? It's like, listen, we're, you, you either fire, we fire you or you quit. You know what I mean? It's like he's still going to get a benefit. He's still going to get a lot of support from the, the Bengals. He's been there for so long. But they just gave him the option to say, okay, I'm stepping down. You know, which is more of a, yeah. you know, they gave him the chance to keep his dignity other than, you know, just get canned and. Yeah, so interesting move yeah. for sure. But I, I think that um, I, other we, it just, this just came out today, the news a few minutes before we started. But um, the Dolphins did hire, sorry, the Jets hired Adam Gase, the the oh, ex right. Dolphins coach, to be uh, to be their new head coach. So now the Jets are going from a defensive minded coach to an offensive minded coach who saw 
mediocre success in Miami. However, I think he's coming into a better situation with the Jets. I think Sam Darnold is better than Ryan Tannehill will ever be. I think the uh, the running game isn't as good as Dolphins had. The receiving core is pretty much on par, I'd say. It's, you know, uh, a bit under average, but, you know, kind of average players. Uh, but I think it's just an overall a better situation with the Jets. And I think Adam Gase has learned a lot from his time in Miami, and he's going to he's gonna bring a, a good injection of, like, offense and, and sort of energy to the Jets. So I like that move that just came out today. Yeah, I, I like that move, and I think I want to talk about something really interesting there. Is uh, Apparently Mike McCarthy had mentioned to Adam Schefter that uh, he wanted to pursue no other head coaching job. He wasn't even open for interviews other than the New York Jets job, which now is filled, which makes Mike McCarthy a Super Bowl winning head coach uh, basically um, jobless. Yeah. Now, now he still has a couple of years on his contract with Green Bay. I think he's got one year left on his contract, Green Bay. So ultimately, he could sit at home and eat popcorn and watch the next football season and still make a, a million dollars. But well, it's it's interesting because, like you said, he um, he said no to the Cardinals. He said he only wants to do the Jets, and now he doesn't get the Jets. Right. So it, it, it kind of makes him look like you know he. He caught it, you know. He just looks like an ass, yeah. straight up. So, you know, it might be good for McCarthy to take a year off and just chill. You know, just relax. Let let yourself reset. I don't know what kind of guy he is. He might be too competitive to do that. Yeah. Um, but it might not be a bad idea. Look what Bruce Arian did. He took a year off, did some broadcasting, and now he's back to coaching. Um, you know, because next year there's going to be probably another eight teams that need new coaches. So, you know, that might even be better situations than, than what's available now, right? Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, or he might do like Andy Reid and, and just take a team right away, like after being fired. Um, but with the two teams remaining with the Bengals and the Dolphins... You know, I don't know if he wants either one of those. Right. Yeah, I don't think he. I don't think he does because it looks like he wants to go to a place uh, where he's got a young quarterback he can he can lead, and obviously has had Aaron Rodgers. And apparently, there were some uh, differences in opinions there, and there's uh, some something else going on behind the scenes there. But uh, he wants to go somewhere that he has a young quarterback, and that's why he wasn't interested in any team but the Jets and uh, Sam Darnold there. So. I know, and, and the other thing to mention, too, is if he does take a year off, let's look at Chuck Pagano. Chuck Pagano was supposed to be super highly touted, took a year off because of obviously he had some health issues, um, and he's also not available to anybody. No. He'll, he'll probably go back as a DC as he was at one point. Um, but, again, I, I just don't think uh, – I think he's just a very – this is a very underwhelming coach, I think, unfortunately. So. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, to, to McCarthy's point, the thing is, you know, with the Bengals and the Dolphins, neither one of – like, they both have, a, you know, an average quarterback in there. Um, but neither one of them are really in a position to draft a quarterback. They're sort of yep. mid-first uh, mid round. And there aren't really exciting quarterbacks this year, not like last year. We were really, like, spoiled last year with the five going in the first round. But uh, this upcoming draft, it's just – there's not that much hype around the quarterback position. There's so, not. you know, McCarthy might do well to just take a year off. Yeah, all the all the top quarterbacks, especially the ones that played this past Monday, are uh, not entering the draft. So exactly. or they can't; they're ineligible to. So exactly. Yeah, we'll see. And obviously, in two years, three years, depending on how long some of these guys stay at their colleges, it might be another one of those you know first six picks or quarterbacks kind of drafts. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens when it comes to draft. But obviously, we'll talk about that uh, when we are getting close to the draft. We'll have another podcast telling you guys all about what we think about the draft. But uh, as we get ready to wrap up this one, Matt, uh, we know we talked 
We talked uh, NFL playoffs. We talked coaches. We talked uh, drama in the the carousel. Is there anything else you want to say uh, to either the Broncos country or just in general to NFL watchers everywhere? Uh, to the Broncos country, I think it's really exciting time. New regime is always a good uh, good way to stay interested in your team. Um, watch for the small changes that Fangio and Kubiak make. Uh, I don't think there's going to be major ones coming, but I think that just a, a little tweaks here and there are going to make a big difference for this team. So I think the future is really, really bright. Because don't forget, this is a very competitive division too. That is not getting any easier other than the Raiders. The Raiders should be in the basement next year too. But... <laughs> You know, which is fine, which is okay. But I think that uh, the Broncos are now going to be a lot more competitive than they were last year. Yep. I completely agree with you. I think it's going to be definitely no more losing seasons for us. So with that being said, thank you guys for listening in. Please uh, make sure you guys are following us. We will still have all types of off-season and playoff and Super Bowl products coming out for you on our Facebook Lives, Twitter, Instagram. Um, Follow me on Twitter. I'm at Coach Jared E., I need to make sure I give that out right, and uh, and and I'll also make sure you guys go on the Instagram and uh, Twitter pages for the Orange Weekly Show and liking all of our stuff. Make sure you guys are rating us five stars. Um, I think we finally got our our, our ratings up on all of our uh, stuff, so make sure you guys are going on there rating us five stars if you like listening to us and uh, give us your feedback because we definitely enjoy hearing that. So, with all that said, thank you guys for listening in, and uh, we'll kick this off another time with a. Go Broncos. Go Broncos. Orange, man. Orange.